Hello and welcome back to another episode, the Friday edition of Let's Open the Bible. It's Russ and Gavin with you again today. Hello, Gavin. Hello. And uh, we, uh, we've been talking about heaven today. We're going to shift gears a little bit. We're going to go to the book of Acts. So listener, if you want to find Acts chapter 16, we're going to look at verses 6 through 10. And we're going to talk about a, a very interesting passage. And part of the reason uh, why I think maybe... Uh, I thought of this is because of a conversation Gavin and I had about the Holy Spirit. And so uh, we're going to read through this and work through this a little bit. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and kick us off in prayer and then ask Gavin if he would to lead us in uh, reading of the word. Father God, we just love you and, and praise you and, and thank you, Lord, as um, you bless us beyond anything we deserve that you would even look in our direction. Uh, Father, we don't deserve that, and yet uh, you've seen fit to call us. Uh, you sent your son Jesus to die for us. You've called us out of the darkness and into the light, um, saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. So thank you, Lord, for that. Lord, as we as we look at this in, uh, interesting and, and important passage of Scripture from the book of Acts that you've provided for us, I pray that you would guide us in all truth. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Acts 16, 6 and following it. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mycenae, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mycenae, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Fascinating, I think, um, how and you know what exactly, how exactly the Holy Spirit prevented them or forbade them. I, I don't know. I, I've just always been kind of intrigued by exactly what's going on here. Obviously, the conclusion that, that Paul makes here um, was that, that God wanted uh, them to preach the gospel uh, there uh, in Macedonia. Uh, we learn later, of course, uh, you know, the, the book of Philippians is, is written to uh, the people of Macedonia. Whether that is where he went here with this, I don't know, but I do know that... Um, they were great people of faith, very generous, though yet poor, uh, which is a, a great picture of what we have with Christ, who be, who was poor became, or rich and became poor for our sakes, that we who are poor might become rich. Uh, and, and there's just so much good there. We learn a lot about the Macedonian generosity in the book of uh, Corinthians. Second Corinthians 8 and 9 uh, is spectacular. Yeah. I love that. I mean, that they gave from extreme poverty poverty more than they could yeah i mean that's that's an interesting you know um uh text to work through when it comes to the prosperity gospel or something like that like how do you work through a group of people that from extreme poverty gave more than they could yeah yeah uh, just uh, I did my doctoral work using uh, that Second Corinthians uh, quite a bit. That passage from chapter nine, I think it was six through uh, ten or six through thirteen that I focused on. If I'm just going from memory, there never a good idea. But at any rate, we have here the Holy Spirit that seems to be intervening here, and perhaps the reason why is because God had other plans for Paul. I don't know. Yeah, let's maybe just start with with the text. They're 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 walking 
already in ministering. I mean, that yeah. that's the normal way of doing things. So the normal way of doing things in churches today is when you say, hey, Russ, would you go with me on a missions trip? What do you say? I'll pray about it. What do you mean? No, but I need to find a spiritual way of saying no. Paul, the normal way that Paul was operating was he Ouch. wanted to be out. <laughs> I don't mean that specifically about you, but I do mean that about a lot of people. We have a mission, and the mission is to take the gospel out to the world, right? And we have been equipped by the power of the Spirit to go do that. Jesus has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age, right? So we, we have a mission. We have a, uh, we've been empowered. We've been, we've been sent. We're the sent ones, right? So that's the normal way that people do things. We are the messengers. We are the messengers. So I would ask you this, when 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 you're not going across the street to your neighbor or you're not going, you know, to Asia Minor with Paul, is it because you have been hindered by the Holy Spirit or because you really don't want to go? Yes. Okay. <laughs> no, it's it's usually because I really don't want to go, okay. if I'm being honest. So so Paul is is preaching the word in season out of season. Every chance he gets, he seems to be preaching. He doesn't preach to just those that want to hear it. He preaches to those that are going to stone him to death and kill him. That's right. That, 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 normally. So even, you know, how, how do we deal with demon oppression, possession, de the demonic influences in the world? Uh, the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, uh, correcting his opponents with gentleness. The Lord may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth after being captured by the devil to do his will. Like the, the way that we deal with demonic things in this world and the, is just a constant preaching of the word. And, you know, there are people that profess to know God, but deny him by their works. What do we do with them? But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. So this is the normal Christian life is to be word saturated, um, never letting the word depart from our mouth, meaning that it's always, it's always on our tongues, right? That we're, we're constantly communicating this word, but then something particularly special happens to Paul. So he's going about his normal business, which is to preach and proclaim the word. And then it says, he, he went to this place because he had been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. What can we know from that? And I would say, I would say this, that God has a plan. Yeah, and apparently had a different plan than, than what Paul was about to do. Right, right, because the, the normal way of doing things is promiscuously proclaim the gospel, those beautiful feet to take the gospel. But, but God directs you to places that you may not want to go or that you had different plans to. And that's why in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 or 2, I'm trying to think real quick now. Um, I'll just turn there. I'll skip it. Uh, 2 Corinthians. Um, <clears throat> um, so ch chapter 1. Uh, so he wanted to visit you on his way to Macedonia and come back to you from, uh, come back to you from Macedonia and have you send me on my way to Judea. Was I vacillating when I wanted to do this? Do I make my plans according to the flesh, ready to say yes, yes, and no, no at the same time? As surely as God is faithful, our word to you has not been yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Silvanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in him it is always yes. So God has a plan. All the promises of God are fulfilled in Christ. Everything is amen in Christ, yes. But we don't make plans according to the flesh. We make plans according to the Spirit, and we go where the Spirit leads. And those plans may be different than ours. Paul wanted to go this way to, to through the Macedonians on his way to and from. But God had different plans, and we need to be very willing to change our uh, the course of our life according to God's will for it. One of the things I wish that I could ask Paul 
is what did that look like for you to be forbidden by the Holy Spirit? I I would just be really curious. Now, Scripture is silent on that. We don't know exactly how it is, but let me ask you, um, have you ever felt forbidden by the Holy Spirit to do something? Yeah, so, um, man, you're opening up a a, a really big can. A big can. This is one of those tins, uh, the the size 10 cans at the bottom shelf of Walmart. So so I am leaning, and and we may lose listeners over this, I am leaning towards cessationism. Does not mean that God doesn't heal. Does not mean that God does not act supernaturally. But in terms of this type of God saying, do not go there, I think the normal way that God speaks is through his word, right? And that word saturating your heart. So you and I talked about it, you know, uh, the sword of the spirit. If we want to be uh, spirit-led Christians, we need to have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Uh, you and I talked about the, the comparison between Colossians 3 and Ephesians 5, that the, the Colossians 3, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, and the manifestation of that is psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. The only other place that that kind of uh, terminology is used is, is, in, is in Ephesians 5 when it says, you know, do not be drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. So you have, the, and, which is psalms and hymns and spiritual songs is a manifestation of that. This Spirit-filled, uh, Word-filled person um, there's some type of relationship there that is, um, it, they're inextricably linked, the word and the spirit. So, so now you ask the question, let me answer it. I know I kind of chased a rabbit there for a second, but let me come back to it. It's what you do. Yep. That's what I do. That's who I am. Um, I think that you have a renewed mind according to the word of God. So that, 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 uh, Psalm one, that uh, that that man that prospers in everything he does is the one who meditates on God's word day and night. He has a renewed mind, Romans 12, that he may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If I go to do something and God's word is working on me and convicting me, and I have a conscience that's been shaped by God's word for God's glory, I will be hindered from doing those things. I think that's more what it looks like now. And I think that's spiritual. I don't think that's, well, that just sounds mathematical. No, I think that is spiritual. God's spirit is enlightening my heart that I'm receiving God's word and applying it to my life. I think that is the spiritual walk, walking according to the spirit. I think many people think the spiritual walk is just emotion. Like, I don't feel like doing that today. I guess God's telling me no. I think the spiritual walk is is guided. It is an emotional walk for sure, but I think it's guided by God's word dwelling richly in our hearts. Um, That is the man who has a renewed mind and proves what is the perfect and acceptable uh, will of God. So I'm a, a cautiously optimistic, relatively skeptic, uh, skeptical of like speaking in tongues. So you're a continuationist. I'm a cautious optimistic, but skeptical. Continuation. Of speaking in tongues. So let's just define those two. A cessationist believes that the charismatic gifts, the speaking in tongues, were absolutely used when the gospel was was being taken cross-cultural in the early church. And so people needed to speak in the known languages and understood each other in known languages. So like in Acts 2, everybody spoke and understood one another because the Spirit of God was resting on them. So it wasn't the confusion of the Tower of Babel. It was the union of people in Christ where they understood each other. So, so glossolalia, speaking in tongues, 
are, in my opinion, known languages that unite people in God, right? And I know that people understand that differently, but but I would say those those have ceased as a cessationist. And I'm a very, very cautious cessationist. If I'm one degree from dead center sitting on the fence, it would be one degree towards cessationism. So I'm not, um, I, I'm one that wants to believe in these things, but I understand our hearts are wicked and deceptive, and that is an area that is easily manipulated. Right. So have but, you ever heard somebody? Talk? But, oh, go ahead. No, I haven't. I, I really don't have necessarily a strong desire to hear it, but here's here's where I'm going with this. Um, I'm not sure that's what's going on here. No, I th- I think this is, you think this is. So, so, it it so doesn't I, say the Spirit spoke to him. Right. So, so, so let me, let me get back to this because I think this is unique. This is, this is regardless of whether you're a cessationist or a continuationist, the charismatic gifts were absolutely present in this time. So if, if Paul says, God told me, you know, I mean like I, the, the spirit working in me said, do not go. And literally I could not move my feet. This is, this is, this is a, um, whether, whatever position you end up in, this is a unique time in Christian history. This is the transition from the old covenant to the new covenant. But it doesn't say that the spirit told him not to go. Yeah. It forbid him. him. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, let's get back to that. But, but just uh, the other charismatic gifts would be like, uh, you know, the gift of healing in the sense that you have a Benny Hinn walking along going, you're healed, you're healed, you're healed and emptying out the hospitals or something like that. And there are some really good people that don't seem to abuse it that I respect. But this is another one of those areas where Gavin and I don't necessarily agree. Um, I I don't disagree with what he said about being you know led uh, by the Spirit through the Word of God. I don't I don't necessarily uh, disagree. Well, I don't agree. I mean, I don't disagree with Gavin (laughs) on that. But where he and I differ is, I do feel like. And I realize that our conscience can shape these things as well, but I do feel like the Spirit has has you know guides me as I as I go to Lord in prayer over uh, different areas of my life, and I'm sure you've heard the expression what we call coincidence. God calls providence, Uh, and and so I believe that you know God works providentially uh, in our lives through the Holy Spirit guiding us. Absolutely. And, and I believe that God can increase, can captivate your attention. So, you know, you, you were going to go down this path and, and let, let's use really simplistic illustrations just for the sake. So I'm walking through the woods and there's a path to the left or the right. I think, you know, I, I think that God can all of a sudden cause me to see a flower down one path and, you know, in, in, incline me that way. But when people are very adamant, God told me to do these things. I want to go, okay, God is never wrong. Are you willing, and I know this is this is hyperbolic language, and I don't mean that this is not a threat. This is just a, a theological question. Are you willing to be stoned like the prophets of old if you get it wrong? Because even the greatest proponents of the God told me movement will say that we're wrong. Some of them say 60% of the time. And I go, okay, well, God's not wrong. So what are you hearing? What's the difference when God says, go to the right and you go and it works out perfectly? Or, you know, you've, every one of us has heard those stories where, you know, God just laid it on my heart, Russ, to tell you purple dinosaurs dwell in the rainforest in the summer and you start bawling and you just are like, that was my son's favorite book. And I've never heard of it, but it, you know, and I go, God, thank you. 
What is the difference between when you nail it like that and, and somebody has just moved? God told me to come up and say, you're going to have a good day tomorrow. And it works out and they cry, they fall down and they thank you that oh, that was a word of God. And when you go up to that person and you say, God told me you'll have a good day tomorrow and they slap you because you said the wrong thing or purple dinosaurs and you go, what in the world does that mean? And you go, oh, maybe that was me. How do you know the difference? Well, all I can do is tell you from my experience. But see, but so can a Mormon. Right. But, and I don't know if I've shared this story with you or on this podcast before, but I, I'm I'm telling you uh, that on the way home from Greensboro one night when I was still dating Christy, we came to an intersection, call it the Holy Spirit, call it whatever, but don't call it conscience. I thought of a friend I haven't thought of in years that I hadn't seen in years. We were about two blocks from where he lived. I felt led, I, I felt the spirit move me or however you want to, whatever language you want to use to turn left and go see my friend. I was tired. All I really wanted to do was go home. I feel like I resisted the spirit. I went home. My friend shot himself that night, that night. Now, would, would things have changed? Had I, I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know. So all I can tell you is experiences like that have shaped my understanding that, that, that the Holy Spirit does guide or has guided, uh, at least in my life, and I can only I can only tell you know I, I try to assume the the best in people, and when people tell me that they feel led to do something, I try to believe that. Now I had a lady in the Lowe's uh, hardware store in High Point uh, turn around and buy the things I was holding. She said she felt the Lord just you know put it on her heart to to pay for my things. Well, that was very sweet and very kind, and I appreciated that. And I've used that in different ways to illustrate, uh, you know, kindness and and showing love to others. But the reality is, I had the money to pay for it. It wasn't as if it was a financial hardship. It wasn't even really that expensive. Now, does that mean she didn't feel the Lord move? On? No, it doesn't mean anything except. I couldn't explain why she felt led to do you that look like a homeless man. from a financial standpoint. Um, and so I'm hesitant to say that the spirit doesn't lead us in that way. I know he leads us through the word. I know that. But so, so in the old Testament, the prophets prophesied their own heart mm -hmm. and I have a wicked and deceitful heart. I am not saying, I want to make this so clear. I'm not saying that God does not incline our hearts. God does. Okay. But how do you know that? Do not despise prophecy, but test everything. Right. And so if you have a friend that pops into your mind, now I've seen this work out three ways. So I want, I want to be clear. One, God does incline your heart and out of nowhere, you suddenly think of a friend that God inclined your heart to, right? Two, you, you don't want to admit it, but somewhere deep, deep down in your conscience, you saw a red door and he always talked about his apartment having a red door and you were driving through Greensboro and you thought of him because there was so much stimulation of things and you go, well, that's of God. Well, God uses those things. I have no problem with that. But really, it, not. I mean, ultimately God ordains everything. Mm -hmm. But but the the direct impetus behind you thinking of your friend was the situation that you're in. But when you look back at it, you're like, well, I don't remember that. Nope. It was just God working on my heart. And I've seen it where, where you're like, there was no reason I thought of my friend. And you're like, I was there with you. Yes, you, yes, it was. You talked about the lake that you just passed by and you you and your friend used to ski on it. That's why you thought of your friend. God's still over that. I believe in the sovereignty of God with, without end, but I've seen it where God inclines the heart. There's no real reason. Then I've seen the impetus where, you know, there are reminders and whether you acknowledge them or not, those are the reasons you thought of your friend. And I've also seen people that after the fact, remember the situation totally differently. And I've been with those people that will swear, no, I thought of my friend and 
but you're there and, and you know, I, that's a real tough thing to see someone's mind, but I've been there where people remember the situation totally different, totally different than when you were there and it happened. Our minds do tricky things. Sure. So here's the question I always ask again, again, and again, what's the difference between prophesying your own heart and prophesying God working in you? When somebody says, and, and, and I'm sitting on the fence with cessationism, continuationism. When somebody says, I, when I speak, and I'm using some tongue-in-cheek words here, when I speak ex cathedra from the throne, I have never been wrong. If I've ever told somebody, God said, it has never been an error. Let me give you an, an illustration where that went wrong. At Southeastern Seminary, and I'm, I'm again, I'm using a lot of tongue-in-cheek words here, the best of the best, at Southeastern Seminary, um, there was a pretty girl working at Chick-fil-A, and she was asked out by multiple seminarians who said, God told me, God laid it on my heart to ask you out. God told me that you were going to be my next wife. God said, God said, I said, oh my word. Yeah, we should that be is offended scandalous. by that. We should be offended by that. But that's regular. I mean, the, the, the type of people that'll, that'll look at you and say, you know what? God told me, Russ, that you were wrong. God told me I needed to correct you for what you said in your sermon last week. I'm like, good night. I've heard people say God laid this message on my heart last night and preachers that have stood up in the pulpit and preached heresy after they said God laid this message on my heart last night. Heresy. And I'm not talking light heresy. I'm talking full-blown heresy. So I go, okay, maybe that's just the, they woke up. When they compare that with the actual work on God on their life, how do they know the difference? And it better be God's word. Does God incline my heart? Absolutely. And, and, and let me say this last little bit, and you and I have talked about this before. Most of the time when people said, God told me, I really think they're listening to that inner voice, their conscience, the conscience. Yeah. that needs to be shaped perfectly to the best of our ability by God's word. No, I, I agree with that. Okay. I think that is true most of the time. Okay. But God inclines your heart. But how do you know when it's your heart, your wicked and deceitful heart speaking, and when it's God? Yeah, that's... That's the mystery. Because the prophets prophesied their own hearts. And the last one is, God said to the dream, let a dreamer uh, tell his dreams. This is in Jeremiah. Let a dreamer tell his dreams, but you have the word of God. And what has straw in common with wheat? Those, those dreams, they're straw. You have the word. It's wheat. You have someone coming up saying, God gave me a vision. That's straw compared to his word, which is wheat. Being on the Mount of Transfiguration is amazing, but we have his word, which is a better word, and the spirit inside of us. Yeah, that's good. Good word. Well, uh, Gavin, I think that's probably a good place to, to stop. I know we didn't work all the way through this, but I think the, the nuts and bolts of it, at least I think why the Lord put this on my heart, was to, to kind of work through our understanding of what it looks like when, when we feel led of the Lord or uh, led by the spirit or whatever the terminology is. And, and this, uh, this has always been an interesting account. Okay. So I hope somebody didn't tune us off out because uh, let me say what I think happens with this. Okay. So, um, Great. um, where am I going? I don't know. All right. So it says, um, Acts 16, six, and they went through the region, right. And having been forbidden by the Holy spirit to speak, the word in Asia. I think that's vague intentionally. I think when the Bible's vague, it's always, I know that the Bible is perfect, inspired, sufficient, and everything else. So if it's vague, it's vague intentionally. What does that look like for Paul? I don't know. He could have twisted an ankle and just thought, you know, I, I mean, God works. 
Jesus spoke to fishermen in the language of fish. He spoke to shepherds in the language of sheep. And and with people that knew those illustrations, he often used them. And someone may be out there going, but he didn't speak in parables so that they would all be understood. No, he spoke sometimes in, in, in terms of parables so that people wouldn't understand exactly what he's saying. And yet he used the language of the people. In fact, for God to interact with us, he has to, he, he condescends and speaks in ways that we understand. So however the spirit hindered Paul, it is one perfectly effective. The spirit perfectly did its work. Wasn't hoping Paul, I mean, look with Jonah. God's not up in heaven going, man, I hope that fish, I hope this works because I don't have a plan B. The fish was going to work and Jonah was going to Nineveh, period. Paul was not going uh, to to speak into, into Asia. Like he was hindered and the spirit was perfect. I don't know what that looks like. I just know that it's perfect, one. And two, that God is very individualistic. He is God of all creation, but he's very individualistic in how he interacts with us. Yeah. And so, so he, whatever, however that was communicated to Paul, however, and you say, well, it doesn't say communicated. It says he was forbidden. I don't care if it was friends coming along saying we're not going or whatever else. It was perfectly accomplished. And God speaks in very individualistic ways. Uh, again, not so individualistic that, you know, God, that, that it's Gnosticism where I have special knowledge that you can't have, but God relates to us very individualistically. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you for that addition. Listener, continue to wrestle with this uh, Macedonian call, and we look forward to catching back up with you next week. As always, on Fridays, I encourage you to always, 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 as much as you can humanly possibly be in God's house, do that. Worship him in spirit and truth. Lift your praises, your prayers, and sit under the authority of God's word being rightly divided. And we'll catch back up with you on Monday. God bless.